Welcome to Queer Longing, a podcast where we discuss and explore everything that we're longing for and living for in our queer community. I'm Olivia Taylor. And I'm Lucy Sassel. Hiya, you're right. Hiya, yeah, I'm okay. I feel like um, me and you are hanging out so much these days, Olivia. It's like a new era. Well, or it's like the, an old era. Whoa, okay, yeah, nostalgia. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's been great. I think, what will it be this week? Twice? Well, three uh, times if you count the podcast. Yeah, three times if you count the podcast. Um, yeah, uh, which is many times for the, the year of our Lord 2020. I know, three times a lady. Who thought it? <laughs> well, I, for one, have loved it, so it's been good. Oh, well, on, on that note, what else other than my constant presence have you been living and longing for this week, Lucy? <laughs> Amazing. Stunning seg. Um, <laughs> apart from being in the presence of you, uh, which, I mean, what more could anyone want to live for? Uh, <laughs> it, I am, this week, I'm living for, so when the day that this pod goes out, which is next Wednesday, is the second birthday of my darling little nephew. Um, uh. and I am absolutely living for his life <laughs> I am <laughs> so pleased to have him as a nephew he's such a lovely gorgeous angel and um, I cannot believe he's been alive for two whole years and that is um, a very nice thing to celebrate so I am living for that and on a similar note I am longing to hang out with him which I will be doing um, very shortly going down and spending some time with my sister and her husband and uh my little nephew and I think that will be really really nice and I really can't wait because he is the light of my life <laughs> to put it I saw mildly. I saw that video of him when he was excited to go and play football the oh, other day. yeah wasn't that nice <laughs> and I thought yeah you are related <laughs> I love how yeah you always say if, he's if, like if, a carbon if, copy of me yeah, but he needs to be excited for fantasy football, and then we know that he's really your child. <laughs> then the truth will be out. <laughs> yeah, it will. Um, no. Well, that's cute. Very, very wholesome living and longing from you. Yeah, you know, sometimes I just uh, am, you know, wholesome. Sometimes, who knows? Uh, sometimes I'm not. Uh, what are you living and longing for? <laughs> well, I am, I'm not going to lie to you, Lucy. I'm living for my sandwich that I ate at lunch. <laughs> I, nothing beats a great sandwich. So yeah, tell us all about it, please. Okay, well, um, the sandwich in question is from Pollen Bakery in Manchester, which is like down the road from where I live. And it was a chicken bacon avocado and lettuce sandwich on their oh. sourdough bread and you know their bread is like the most iconic bread yeah. and then a fresh aioli and then some kind of like other sauce it was maybe like an orangey sort of a bit of spicy sauce maybe like a chimichurri I can't remember what it was but anyway um my girlfriend had a day off today so she went for a little walk and then came back with the sandwich of dreams <gasps> and I can I can put a lot away food wise like you know the girl can eat uh, but uh, I actually could only manage half of this sandwich because it was so ginormous and full of uh, all the best bits and um I know and now I have been like a Ross Geller because I've like wrapped the other half up and um, I've just come back to my mum's and put it in the fridge. And my mum unwrapped it and was like, um, is this my sandwich? And I went, well, you didn't buy it, did you? So it's obviously not yours, is it? <laughs> so she was so trying to eat my sandwich. Off. Yeah, paws off the sandwich because that is going to be my lunch part two tomorrow. And that is going to be the absolute leftovers of dreams because it was the best sandwich i've had in possibly in my whole life wow really nice. yeah saw a pic of it on um your ig and i did think that looks like a stunning sandwich so um yeah so pleased for you really happy that that's happened <laughs> thank you so much thank you so much yeah. and then um what i am longing for other than that sandwich tomorrow is um i'm really longing to just revel in dirt again excuse me so, you know, like before, hashtag before, mm. um, you could do things that were like a bit dirty and sweaty and grimy and it was fine. 
Yes, I do. You know, like, just, like, be a bit gross. Like, be in a really gross club and, you know, go to a gross toilet and there's, like, gross sweat on the ceiling and everything's just a bit gross. And then everyone else around you is all sweaty and a bit horrible, but you're all having a good time and you've all just leaned into the grossness of what's happening. Yeah. That, I wonder when we'll have that again, if ever. And, and... I've I've been longing for that feeling in a sense absolutely longing for a a sticky floor and uh and a yeah a dubious toilet I I agree um yeah and like sharing sharing a drink with someone you know when like you're on the dance floor and then you really need a drink but it's a really good song and then someone else has a drink and they just give you a bit of a drink yeah oh the little things (laughs) just the little stuff like that that's what I would want God. Yeah, yeah. Or just like, do you want a bite, do you want a bite of that? And giving someone a little bite of that, do you know? Do you know what I mean? I know. Can't. Uh, yeah. No. It is those little sort of kindnesses that we can't. Uh, the generosities we can't have anymore, or give to each other. Give to each other seem a bit strange. Like even when, like you know, I've seen people recently or whatever, and you can't um, hug them or anything, and it feels like you feel like you're being distant, and you feel like you're being. Um, not as maybe like generous with yourself as you usually are. I find that a bit odd. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, I need to do a bit of um a bit of a part two longing, but also a shout out, if okay. you will allow me. Oh so, actually no. I'll part- cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> my part two um you won't cut it out because it, it's nice. Um <laughs> my part two longing for is um so I'm going to see, hopefully, um, our former guest on this podcast, Carrie Lyle, in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. at some point. Um, but I don't know if you've seen on social. So as we all know, Carrie Lyle, editor-in-chief at Diva, absolute angel and um, podcast alumni. Um, <laughs> but she did have a yoga-related incident this week, which resulted in her semi-amputating one of her toes. Yes, I saw like the bits around this, and uh, I mean, what? That's horrible. Yeah, it's, it's a very gross and horrible story. And um, I thought initially, you know, that like sometimes when you like break your toe and it really hurts, but like you've just like snapped it a bit, and then yeah. it's fine after a few days because like people break toes all the time. And I was a bit, and then she said she was in A and E, and I was like, oh well that maybe you should just go think I thought maybe she should just go home like you know probably nothing that anybody can do because you can't splint a toe or anything the next yeah. thing I found out she's having half of it sewn back on so Honestly? um what yeah, happened? So, I don't <laughs> really I don't really know but I just know that some kind of yoga incident and some things went the wrong way oh, so um massive get well soon best wishes Absolutely. to carry she um, sent me a message with a screenshot of our podcast. So we've been keeping her company while she's been on her sick bed, as it were. So um, I wanted to, yeah, to to give her all of our best wishes from Queer Longing Towers. Yes, absolutely. Get well soon. You, your toe, your, your mind, your body and your spirit. So Olivia, another week, another lot of stuff to be talking about. What have you been reading about on the blogs? I know that you're always up on the blogs and I personally record this podcast to find out what's been going on on the blogs so please let me know okay well i i will but um one of the, one of them actually that i wanted to mention i wanted to talk about this last week but um i forgot to but there's a really good um article in the advocate so um as we all know really sadly naya rivera died a few weeks ago and um there's an article in the advocate and it's called Naya Rivera's profound queer legacy. Um, and it's all about this, um, journalist's relationship to, um, Naya Rivera and her work and how it was so formative, um, to her as a young queer person. And I just thought it was a really well written, very sincere um, article, and yeah, I thought I thought it was really good. So I'd recommend that if um, I think I think a lot of us can probably identify with that if you're sort of of a similar age in your late twenties, maybe early thirties, that grew up watching Glee. You definitely know 
what it meant to have a lesbian and a lesbian storyline um on such a mainstream show depicted in that way but also um a, a femme presenting lesbian as well um which is maybe a bit more of a diverse um portrayal so yeah i think that um it was an interesting um article and obviously yeah just about something which was really really sad but um if you too felt that you know Naira Vera and Santana's character um kind of contributed to your identity I guess as a young queer person then this is definitely the article for you yeah definitely I think that um Glee and uh yeah Santana and like you say being like a femme representing lesbian was uh sort of like a a breakthrough for mainstream telly and I certainly remember like when we were sort of watching Glee around like uni time and stuff and I do remember that being that was you know throughout my sort of coming out coming of age um and I do remember uh like being like oh like feeling like a positive the positive effect of that representation and of being able to see all different kinds of people um being queer so yeah i think she uh, means a lot to a lot of people and it's just you know such a tragedy what happened to her um but yeah that yeah. article sounds very um and i think i did actually read that one and it was a really um touching uh sort of like what's the word like um what is that word tribute yes yeah a really touching tribute to her and her representation yeah and i just think that it's um that it's really interesting that um, she talks about to her anyway they were the first well she says they were one of the first femme femme couples that allowed her to see that she fit somewhere within the lgbtq community yeah. um she says i love that they were uber feminine cheerleaders challenging dominant stereotypes about queer women i love that santana had a hard edge to her something that in retrospect i think i related to since i was battling my own internalized homophobia and i especially love the chemistry that britana had whether they were in the glee club singing amy winehouse together or snuggled up under the sheets with their relationship <laughs> i finally felt seen oh, yeah that's lovely yeah so um go and read that if you are interested and then i read um another article um again sort of around um sexuality and sex and relationships um which i really enjoyed um by a journalist called danny janae and it's on autostraddle and it's called anatomy of a mango skin okay and it's all about basically, well, Anatomy, Anatomy of a Mango is a series of essays and they say where Danny peels back the sweet tart layers that have led to her fruitful, healthy sexuality. <laughs> so it's really pos- like positive series yeah. of essays about, um, about her experience sort of coming into her own um, sexuality. And this one is the skin one. Um, so I would recommend it. And it also talks about how she kind of identifies with herself as a fat woman and her sexual experiences in that body. Um, And she writes um, about an experience that she had with another fat person and says, these experiences with fat people are always grounded in a space of affirmation, whether moved by tenderness or roughness. I once wrote that the point of touch is to be made to have your body outlined by your partner. When another fat person touches me, it is to be made whole. They do not try and leave out the rolls, the stretch marks, the softness and dimples. There was no shying away from the form that night. So yeah, it's a really beautifully written, very sort of positive essay and it's part of a wider series. So if you're interested in that, then um, I'd check it out. I, I was I was saying to you earlier, I really missed reading essays so if anybody has any recommendations for where you can read cool essays let me know because I have like my go-tos but I'm definitely looking to expand where I try and find stuff to read like that so let me know yeah I always um do 
like the thing of going online and trying to like like I want to read something like that and I I struggle to find the right places because I just think apart from like via Twitter following certain people and I know that they're going to put good articles up and you know they they have good links and stuff and that's always good sometimes when you like you know you just want to find you want to go somewhere where there are a bunch that you know will be good and I also struggle with that so yeah any recommendations would be very 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 welcome but that series sounds really good and I will definitely be checking that out um, my third recommendation this week is from The Guardian and it is um, a book review of a book called Female Husbands by Jen Mannion, A Trans History. So um, it says, published at a fractious moment in the analysis of gender and sex, this book challenges the argument that reclaiming transgender ancestors is ahistorical. So it actually kind of goes into the history of transness and, you know, shows how there's always been transness, which obviously I feel like people know, but maybe not everybody recognizes or wants to maybe always believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, it talks about, um, it talks about 18th and 19th century cultural history in Britain and the new in the US and it details the lives of people who were considered girls at birth but who adopted uh, masculine names and appearances and who loved and lived with people Mannion cheekily calls female wives um, that's wow. a quote so um, yeah it's kind of about um, transness throughout history through a US and UK lens through uh, the 18th and 19th century and it's got some really interesting stuff in that review so I haven't read the book but it gives you a bit of an insight into what the book is about and um, yeah I think I'd like to read the whole thing it's really really interesting stuff that you just wouldn't you know you're not going to hear about it in your history a level let's say that but it's um yeah really interesting to find out more about this stuff because like we always find out more and more we've you know as lgbtq plus people we've always been here we just aren't um written about or celebrated in history books so now is a brilliant opportunity that more historians are sort of um pulling back the curtain on some of those stories and and people so yeah it's an interesting thing to read about yeah absolutely it sounds um fascinating i think there's a lot of you know there's a lot of unwritten or maybe not even unwritten but un um sort of heralded history about uh particularly gender and the bi and the binary and stuff like that and how like you know in a lot of places in the world the gender binary did not exist in the way that we um as white western people have it uh and the way that our colonialism uh led to a lot of places um at having to sort of become more stricter with a binary um and uh that whole history is really fascinating i don't know a lot about it but it's something that i definitely want to look into more i wonder if that book um might address some of that so that is definitely something i'll be looking at as well so it's a good rec yeah and on that um if you've ever listened to any podcasts with um alok they also talk a lot about what you've just referenced um in terms of like west indian um gender history um and yeah it's really interesting to find out more because it definitely does challenge this um very sort of western narrow version of um our relationship to the binary as a history so um it's really interesting to actually broaden your historical horizons where that's concerned and it's interesting and heartening to know that um you know it hasn't always been that way and in a similar vein, speaking about sort of um, transness and representation and um, recognition, uh, there was, you know, some interesting um, outcomes to the Emmy nominations this week. So um, whilst there was definitely an upward, uh, upward, what's the word? Swing. Yes. Whilst there's definitely an upward swing in terms of nominations for uh, people of colour and black actors, uh, there was sort of this point made about the fact that, like, for example, for Pose, um, Mm. Billy Porter, who is amazing and stunning and does deserve all the nominations, seems to always be the only actor of that series that is ever really um, receives a nod from the... um, 
from the industry as much um, compared to all of the trans actors who are on that show and obviously make that show so stunning as well. Um, so I think like whilst things are definitely moving in the right direction, there's still room for improvement. And um, I just thought that uh, was worth a mention. Yeah, do you know if um, India Moore or any of the other actors have spoken on that subject? Actually, um, I've maybe answered my own question. I don't know if they've spoken about it kind of in detail, but I did see um, that Karamo um, tweeted saying, I'm thankful for the Emmy nom that we, the Fab Five, got, but I must also recognise the most fabulous five. These beautiful ah. trans and non-binary actors deserve to be nominated for an Emmy too. It is, it is a disgrace that their performances were overlooked again. The industry must do better. And they've written over the top, thank you. And he's tagged like the main five actors. Oh, nice. Hope. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, um, you know, in the future, they will be recognized because they're all completely amazing. <laughs> like that, that, that show just is mind-blowing so great yeah i know and i feel like you know i think obviously you can't um nor would i want to underplay the value and kind of cultural impact and significance that a show like queer eye has had and and, and does have especially um for mainstream audiences but i just think you know they're in series five now everyone kind of knows what that is and it has been celebrated quite a lot yeah, but Pose is really doing something really different for the first time, yeah. and yeah. I don't think there's been an episode where I haven't cried or <laughs> had a you know real sort of visceral emotional reaction to the journey of the characters and the storylines and the relationships, and surely that's something that should be celebrated. Not to sort of pit one show against another, but I suppose if you do look at the legacy of both shows and and what the offer is from Pose I just don't think I think it's undeniable yeah I definitely agree um yeah uh hopefully it will get more right th- I think there is this kind of I think this is one of the point that people are trying to make about the fact that Billy Porter seems to be he's sort of like the token of that show and is the one that everyone uh the industry is sort of like right well you know we've nominated Billy Porter and therefore we've done our bit for for Pose. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, and, and not really recognizing how important it is and how how much of an impact it has had as a show. Yeah, and you know, obviously it obviously he deserves nominations and he's amazing in Pose. Yes. But yeah, and it's not to take anything away from what his uh talent has been on that series at all but i guess yeah it's interesting from an industry point of view like you say maybe it's that he just has that recognizability and legacy perhaps from theater and broadway and is more sort of well known from that and is probably like the most recognizable cis man from the series so you have to sort of wonder why he's always being sort of heralded as the poster child of of Pose when really um, it's definitely not just Pray Tell's story by any means. It's quite evenly split amongst quite a lot of characters. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not surprised, but saddened that that has happened and yeah I think that um the people in those positions of power and influence like Karamo have done right to to speak out about it um but is it you know one of those things that like I was thinking with again to go back to Queer Eye is it that you know it gets those accolades because it is something that yes is queer in the sense of like five queer men are, are presenting it but it's had a massive um influence and impact on what is you know the straight cis mainstream community has pose had the same impact i don't think it has i think it's been critically acclaimed and those who know about it love it but are as many you know straight families in the midwest watching pose as they are watching queer eye and i think the answer is no And is that the reason why it's been held up as a bigger success? 
Yeah, I think I think um, that's a lot to do with it. Um, and there is sort of this difference between a program which is, like you say, it's sort of like like poses. It's critically acclaimed. It's um, everyone sort of knows it's amazing. But is that um, is the reach? really there i don't know i wish it was i think everyone should watch it but will they probably not so yeah we'll we'll see what happens i just i mean i just want it to go on forever because i love that show so much (laughs) i know it's so good speaking of telly have you been watching any um i have so um i've finished up all stars season five Oh yeah, how did you feel about that? I didn't watch any of it. I don't mind if you. I mean, I know who won and stuff, so you can talk about whatever you want to say. Um, Okay. Yeah. I mean, I want. I wanted Shay to win from the beginning. Right. I've always been a big fan of Shay, but I think that like she's massively upped her game. If that was even possible, anyway, Mm. just to be such a standout star um, of of the series. I do think that honourable mention has to go to GGB though, because um, she had definitely the most iconic um, snatch game ever. Um, and she was a really strong contender as well. But yeah, I was really happy that that Shay won and she came so close last time in the main series, lost out to Sasha Velour. Um, and yeah, I'm just, just really, really pleased for her. And I think it was a really good series and really good celebration of the calibre of... Um, some of those drag queens that are out there doing that thing at the moment. And um, I also saw Shay do a collab video with Nikki Tutorials where oh. Nikki Tutorials did Shay's look and they like got ready together and that was cute. No, like- um, but also I just love Shay. I think she's just like a really kind, nice queen. And um, you know how we like some wholesomeness in Drag Race. We love to see that. We do. And on the subject of uh, drag queens, I also watched a BBC Three documentary on BBC iPlayer called Deep in Vogue. I don't know if you've seen that. Oh, I've, I've I saw about I've seen it, but I haven't watched it yet. What was it good? Yeah, it was good. Um, you'll probably recognise a few of the queens in it. It's um, mainly based in Manchester, so um, it's described as celebrating the colourful, queer, emotional, and political stories of Northern Vogue and its people. Um, synonymous with the black gay ballrooms of 1980s New York this documentary asks why we need Vogue in the UK now more than ever cool so um yeah and you see some different houses in Manchester and Liverpool and you see them going to the Vogue nights in Manchester and Liverpool which um I think um like like Rainbow and what some of Rainbow Noir were at oh nice yeah um and a couple of other um houses and queens that you might recognize um from manchester so yeah it was interesting to watch if you especially live in manchester or know anything about the queer scene of manchester you'll see a few friendly faces and um yeah it's just an interesting one um an interesting one to watch i do love a bbc3 documentary on occasion i have to say Oh yeah, no, they really um pull them out of the bag every now and then, you know, they they do a great job. Um yeah, no, I'll definitely watch that. Um I love to watch things where you recognise people or places. It's always fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then cool. and the last thing the last thing that I've watched well, two things. Okay. As you know, I absolutely love um Anthony Bourdain and yeah. was um absolutely heartbroken when I heard of his um death a year or so ago. And um, since then, so his death happened when he was recording the last series um, of Parts Unknown. So it was partway through that. Yeah. And then they released that series. And then um, the last episode is like a commemorative episode. And I've been like putting off watching it for ages. But then I watched it the other night and... Yeah, it it was just a really good celebration of this person's life who just very much did things in their own way and was very unapologetic about that and lived such a rich, full, amazing life and travelled everywhere around the world doing things very much, you know, on his own terms but really, really believed in what he was doing. And, um, yeah, I, I found it to be a very celebratory but kind of emotional um homage sort of i guess 
documentary sort of semi-biopic of his um career and who he was as a person and have you have you ever watched any of the parts unknown series i don't think i've watched parts unknown i what i used to watch loads of anthony bourdain but um i don't think i don't think i ever watched any of the parts unknown i don't think um but i do i i always really liked him um you know he's you know he's done some problematic things and stuff like that and like he's he's not a an angel but like i uh like you say he was a he was a tour de force and he really did things in his own way um and was unapologetic for that in a sense um and was such a character of the uh food world um and i like anything about food basically so um yeah. no but yeah no i haven't watched specifically any of that well it has um so it talks a lot about the friendship that he had with Eric Repair, you know, the French chef yeah. that is sometimes on, on his show. And um, I really love unlikely friendships. Like they're my favorite thing, you know, when people like shouldn't work, but they work. Yeah. And they're just so like that because uh, Anthony Bourdain's like really sort of cantankerous and moody and like was always saying the wrong thing. And Eric Repair was just like, this absolute just pure angel yeah and um apparently he got a lot of stick for being friends with anthony bourdain and he just said i'll never stop being friends with him i love him and they just loved each other loads and it was just really really cute and if you go back and watch some of the episodes you'll kind of see i hate the phrase bromance but i can't think of any better word to describe (laughs) their relationship um and i just think it's it's a really nice thing to see um on tv especially sort of men of that age and background sort of really um really taking um obvious enjoyment from each other's company in a way that feels quite pure and unbridled like you don't see that often enough i don't think no um, yeah so yeah it was it was an emotional thing to uh watch but yeah i'm glad glad i watched that and um yeah love him and love parts unknown and i think especially because um i've been feeling very wanderlusty at the moment because obviously mm. for obvious reasons so i've been trying to sort of channel uh that need for travel and experience through watching back episodes of parts unknown so if you're in the same position i can recommend that there are like hundreds of episodes on netflix um so i watched that and then the last thing that i watched <laughs> which i don't know if you've watched this but you know when like you just like do a stupid and you watch something that's just like a bit stupid and then before you know it color me invested because i am and it was did you ever watch on netflix a few years ago um a series called dirty john no, but I've listened to some of the podcast of Dirty John because it was a podcast first. Like, yeah, I believe, I believe so. Yeah, I believe I've so. listened to... I didn't get through it, but I did listen to a bit of it. But no, I haven't watched it. What's oh. it like? I mean, bad, but great. <laughs> <laughs> Best kind of thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, really intriguing because it is based on a real story and you will find yourself furiously Googling like the real people yes Um, of course so yeah i think if you're into um real life kind of killer stories or i don't know you know that sort of (laughs) real sort of sensational story of like and little did they know that he was a murderer you know you're probably gonna enjoy dirty john to be honest so um i enjoyed that and I think that that is it, except for I did read um, a Guardian article about the uprising of the teenage beauty boys coming for the cosmetics industry. So the article is all about how Gen Z boys online um, are chipping away at the taboo against men wearing makeup with or without the makeup industry's help so i don't know I, I think yeah definitely it's something that i've seen more on instagram and on tiktok that a lot of boys or young men are having youtube beauty channels or kind of inf- you know influencer presence um as a beauty influencer 
and um you know boys starting from as young as like nine or ten um getting into their teens and they're really sort of taking over um the beauty market i guess like james charles is prime example yeah. of that have you ever have you ever watched any of his videos i've i've seen i've seen some of his like um videos uh wait a second one second yeah i've seen some of his like videos where he's like doing some singing but i haven't seen any like um like makeup ones really specifically oh yeah, yeah he is he is a singer as well yeah. um but yeah so james charles um off the back of kind of all of this um success you wouldn't know but he only just turned 21 wow. and he managed to do so much in that time and i keep meaning to um talk about this but i forget but um it was a youtube exclusive series that he um developed and presented and it's called instant influencer and it's a competition show about like who's going to be the next sort of makeup influencer and they have challenges based on like the online beauty industry right. and um they get judged by beauty industry experts and there are specific challenges that not only have to kind of um, channel how much of a good makeup artist you are but it's also like how good are you at um presenting how good are you are editing and all of those things that all of those sort of chops you need to have to make it as an influencer in a sort of digital beauty space. Yeah. Um, but it's doing something that's a little bit different, but definitely speaks to the way that younger people are consuming um, beauty and information about beauty um, now. So I watched it and it was good. I liked it. And also Trixie Mattel was a guest judge. So if you are a <laughs> Trixie stan like me and you want to see some Trixie, then watch that. I believe it was episode two that she was a judge. Um, but yeah, I just think it's again, like a really, um, positive story and it's hopefully just showing that younger generations are, um, you know, frankly less repressed when it comes to, um, gender expression and um sort of outward displays of creativity that may otherwise be considered you know too feminine absolutely um what have you been reading enjoying consuming this week lucy well i just want to do a quick shout out to the the only sort of thing i've i've watched in the past uh, uh few weeks or so um which similarly to your dirty john um di- wait is it dirty john yes yes it's dirty john <laughs> your dirty john shout out is uh sort of like a sensationalist uh true crime thing because okay i have something to admit which i probably have admitted a bit before on this podcast but you know there are a couple things about me that are just you know my very basic qualities and those things are you know i'm a basic bitch when it comes to christmas and when it comes to true crime i like them both (laughs) sue me so oh i know i know what yours is gonna be then yeah so i have been watching absolutely gobbling up loving it loads unsolved mysteries which um is a show which was around for years and stuff in the 90s maybe even 80s 90s early noughties um and then the netflix have like done a new series of it um and like (laughs) i don't really i don't really care for things to be too sensationalized but every now and then i just want a little bit of it and this is the perfect show of it. It's got like all the hilarious like reenactment things. It's got like all the, you know, build up of like, well, and then this and then this and then this. And then you find out like what the actual thing is. You know, they do it very well. Um, and if you like that kind of thing and you want to, you know, hear about some really basically fucked up murders um, and stuff that happens to people, then give it a watch because it will satisfy all those little scratches that you might have. Um, and I, I just rate it as like that kind of thing. You know, when you just need over the past few weeks, I've just needed stuff that I can like not completely invest in, but is interesting enough to keep me uh, sort of entertained. So um, isn't it just annoying that like they're unsolved uh, a little bit, but you do get like, a lot of them have like you know theories and stuff and then basically you can kind of piece together that well, i mean that probably happened or that probably happened um mm. so they might remain technically unsolved but in the minds of uh, the audience you can kind of draw some conclusions um and i just love to be intrigued by all the weird shit that people do to each other so um yeah i would recommend it if you're into that kind of thing it is 
uh, it's good for that. Um, but aside from telly, uh, I have finished three books since we last spoke. <laughs> oh my goodness me. So, um, settle in for Lucy Reed's three of the 12 book nominations from 2018. So, <laughs> 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 my new segment. at christmas last year my mum bought like um the you could buy like the set of the book of noms um for like cheap off somewhere and we wanted she wanted to like gift a couple to people um, and the rest she just like put in my room um so Mm. i so at first i was reading milkman which i talked about on the podcast before and i finished it it took me quite a long time to read um like i think i talked about before like it's it's unlike anything i've ever read the uh, way it's written um, but it's absolutely brilliant it's so great um, there's some really really interesting characters and interesting portrayals of life in uh, Northern Ireland um, during the Troubles um, and there's a little bit of queerness in there as well so you know if you if you if you like to read something and then be like oh yeah a little bit of queerness then you're gonna get it so that's good um, so I can definitely recommend that I can see why it won it's uh no different and innovative in its writing i would say not that i know everything about writing but um and then i read from my set i read the mars room by rachel kushner um which is basically about like the main protagonist uh is like a woman who goes to prison and it's basically about the sort of scope of the prison um the prison world in America, uh, particularly for women. Um, it's really easy to read. It's engaging. It's quite intriguing. You sort of want to know about the characters. There's a few like weird elements thrown in, like just in s- some of the chapters are just uh, excerpts from the diary of Ted Krasinski, the Unabomber, um, which is just a bit weird. It doesn't seem to quite do anything. So I found that a bit odd, but um, you know, still interesting. Um, yeah. I think there was also this other storyline. So it's all like centered around like women's storylines, like this one male storyline. Uh, no, there's two male storylines, but there's one male prisoner storyline, which I think, I think was in there to sort of highlight the difference between a male treatment, um, in prison and a female treatment in prison. I think I don't, but I'm not sure exactly that's what was ha- trying to happen. The, the, the messaging is maybe not as clear as it probably could be, um, but it's good, it's engaging. If you're interested in sort of that kind of scene, then it's uh, an interesting read. Um, the interpersonal relationships of the women in the prison feel very um, Orange is the New Black. So like, if you're missing that, um, then it's like a good similar, gives you a similar hit to like, of how like women interact when they're put into a space. Um, like a prison um and yeah i i thought it was good but um i'm not sure why it was really nominated for a booker i don't really know in my head they're sort of like usually quite um innovative books or books that do something a bit different um and i'm i don't know if it was doing that but it's still a good book that's my mixed review <laughs> okay <laughs> um yeah and then i read Everything Under, which is the second novel by Daisy Johnson, who is like something like 28 or 29, super young, very impressive. Um, And that uh, I thought was brilliant. It's um, basically about like a mother and daughter relationship. Um, They grow up like uh, living on the river in, I think it's probably, it's like the Fens. I think it's like, I don't know, it's not the Fens, but I think it's like Essex way. Um, And it is wrapped up it's like interpersonal relationships wrapped up in like um mythology and, and stories we tell ourselves um and also it's mainly about sort of family and trauma and what trauma does to both like unite us as people and also divide us um and how trauma can lead to lots of different versions of the truth um so yeah, I thought that was brilliant. It's again very easy to read, very um engaging and uh there's some queerness in there, queer character which is really nice to see. I liked that a lot. Um and yeah, I would definitely definitely recommend that especially if you like anything that's about people but also has like a, a sort of mythology to it which I really like. So yeah, those yeah. are my 
That's uh, Lucy Reed's three Booker nominations from 2018. <laughs> <Corner>. <laughs> <laughs> Have you read anything, Olivia? Um, well, I just finished Hurricane Season by Fernanda Melcho. Um, and yeah, I just didn't really know what to expect when I opened it. I, didn't, I hadn't really researched it. It was a recommendation from um, a friend, shout out to Tom and Jamie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a real trip. So basically... It's about this Mexican village where everyone is just the worst. Okay. Like everyone is always like, it's weird because you read it and you sort of think it's like fantasy. So it starts off about this like witch who is dead and it's about who's murdered this witch. Right. And so you think that it's like in the past but it's it's not and everyone's like murdering each other or like doing really bad things to each other and you think it's like in this fantasy like i don't know a bit game of thrones adjacent land but then they're like oh and then like he looked at his iphone and i'm like what it's like really like disorientating <laughs> so um, it's like magical realism kind of thing it's like kind of but i don't know whether yeah. it's meant to be um, oh, okay okay so um yeah so so one of the reviews says um brutal relentless beautiful fugal hurricane season explores the violent mythologies of one mexican village and reveals how they touch the global circuitry of capitalist greed this is an inquiry into the sexual terrorism and terror of broken men this is a work of both mystery and critique Ooh. so and, and then it says most recent fiction seems anemic by comparison which I thought was a really interesting um, review about uh, the kind of fiction landscape being anemic by comparison, because this is definitely like hurricane seasons had a stake. Let's put it that way. It's had a lot of stakes and a lot of spinach because it is just absolutely full to the brim of these um, sort of deplorable characters um, violence um mythology hatred family like yeah uh and sort of wider political um and socioeconomic tensions and um but also yeah with this sort of magic realism thread that runs through the whole the whole thing and also themes around sexuality as well um so it's it's a very difficult book to describe um but it's such a different book to what I think most people will have read. Definitely a really different book to to what I've ever read. There's nothing I can compare it to, really. Right? Yeah. No. Yeah. That, that sounds um, interesting. I've uh, it's on my list, been on my list for a while, and I will. I'll probably borrow it off uh, Tom and Jamie as well. <laughs> so well, that'll be nice. I'll bring it. I'll bring it on Saturday and see oh, if they want to uh, loan it out again. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's. <laughs> the book that um that's the book that i've just finished and i'm just um getting into um ordinary people finally so i'm gonna read that and hopefully next week i'll be able to review that one as well stunning cannot wait right so olivia um obviously i haven't really watched much telly this week um and basically the main reason for that is because of uh what is basically going to be our sort of collective track of the week this week I have just been spending my whole life listening to folklore. Have you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> if I don't get a folklore cardigan in the post, I don't know what to do. <laughs> Who from? Like, just Taylor Swift sending them out to everyone? Well, yeah. She should, to be honest. I mean, we have, like, said some not that complimentary things about things that Taylor Swift has done, but I would also think that Taylor Swift would agree with what we said. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think so. Um, and I think that's one of the joys of Taylor Swift is that she's ever growing, which is what we want from people, growth. So uh, that is good. Um, yeah. yeah, so we're talking about Folklore, which is the sort of surprise album from um, Taylor Swift. She released l- last Friday to like, nobody sort of knew about it. Um, uh, and which is very Taylor Swift. I mean, if there was anyone who was going to make like a lockdown album, it was surely going to be Taylor Swift. So yeah, um, and honestly, yeah. like these surprise album drops are really the thing that's keeping me going. 
absolutely in in lockdown you can't put a price on you know your favorite artists just giving you 16 gifts (laughs) you can't including a cardigan um yeah no so i mean I think it's evident from uh, what we've been saying already, but uh, we're big fans. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I think it's really good. Um, it's, you know, it's it's not very, it's not hugely poppy like her, you know, it's still poppy, but it's not like, you know, pop beats poppy. Yeah. Um, it's more but how can you back. be poppy really in lockdown? That would just feel weird. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's, 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 the, it's the exact right vibe. It's like peak Taylor Swift curling up in her new, like favorite cardigan uh you know lighting up a joe malone and fleshing out her short story ideas you know what i mean yeah and i love i love how like across the board everyone has described it as cottage core yeah <laughs> well cottage core is really having like a moment uh on the blogs isn't it so i think it was it's the perfect time for it so yeah so what are your top tracks from it do you have a specific track of the week tell me everything about every single song <laughs> well i mean maybe we'll have to do like a lady gaga uh equivalent of folklore maybe that's yeah. a thing we, we should do. just do that for every big album that gets released i think so yeah I mean, um, okay <laughs> uh, who, who else do we have to please if not ourselves literally um, no one <laughs> yeah exactly uh, so this just in, we've just had a very quick convo and we've decided we're actually going to do that. So um, we will be doing a special folklore song by song breakdown, as we know how popular the last one was <laughs> by our, to ourselves, to our own standards. I so, think it actually was fairly popular. Yeah, surprisingly popular. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but let's just give a quick um, first impression. What at the moment is your like number one song of it? Um, at the moment, my number one song is um, Exile, featuring Bon Iver. Sorry, featuring Bon Iver. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a stunning uh-huh. choice. It's a standout for sure. Um, yes. Um, I love this. And I also love that Bon Iver knows what's what because they also collaborated on Carly Rae Jepsen's last album on Comeback, yeah. which I was just listening to as you opened up um, our Zoom. You were. And um, I enjoy that they know what's what and they want to be in business with the top female pop huns of yeah. now. So and I can I can get on board on board with that vibe, and I think that both of those songs, both the Carly Rae Jepsen one and this one, um, are really stand out on both of the albums. And um, I just think the lyrics are great. There's a lot of great callbacks in there, and um, it's just very haunting and stunning. Absolutely, I completely agree. And um, so, in the like description of the song. Um, it describes two um, ex-lovers seeing each other following a breakup. Um, Justin Vernon describes feelings of confusion about how quickly a lover moved on, while Swift offers a perspective about repeated warning signs that the relationship was no longer working. Um, It says it's also worth noting the contrast between Vernon's rougher voice and Swift's smoother one, which mirrors the contrast between their views of the relationship. And um, I think um, it's said that that prompted a lot of comparisons to the 2012 track, The Last Time, which also discusses the downfall of um, a relationship. And also um, it's one of many on the album to include a movie motif. So like... I don't like the ending of this film, all of those sort of lines um, that are in it as well. Um, Yeah. And I think that, you know, everyone can relate to that. And I think that um, it's something I always think about a lot about relationships and breakups and stuff about how we kind of like narrativize um, things in hindsight. And I think the more distance and more time that passes after a relationship the more sort of confirmed that story can be and it becomes very much just your own story um but actually the story is about two people and what happens when you know that time passes and you hear the other person's side like both of those things are true yeah and I think that um yeah it's definitely an interesting thing to think about about kind of how we each have our own relationships to relationships that involve the whole of the person Absolutely, yeah. 
Um, It does that very well. What is your favourite one at the moment, your first impression fave? So my first impression fave and the one that I have been sort of putting on repeat, even though I've been listening to the whole album a lot, this one I will listen to sort of on its own as well, um, is August. I just love that song. It is so like hazy summertime, you know, full of like romance, romantic. and It's full of like yearning and sort of longing and it's full of like... We love longing. We love it. We love it. Um, Some would say we live for it. Um, <laughs> it, it's got that sort of um also like the fleet the fleeting nature of some romance and the uh you know the hope of new romance and then the sort of despair of it um very quickly going away and um yeah i just think it's stunning and i just like love it loads i love to have it when i'm driving with like the windows down and like just if it's sunny it's perfect it's like a really great summer song and um that is at the moment my top one um and yeah uh, i've got i've got some more to say about it. i've got some a lot more to say about a lot of the other songs but we will save that for our specific um potty on it because uh that's what the people want obviously clearly so whilst we uh, very clearly have stated that we know you completely agree with us doing a one-off episode every time we are in love with an album, um, we do still have some things that we know we don't agree with. It is time for... I don't agree with it. So Olivia, what is it this week? What's, uh, what's got your goat or whatever it is people say? Well, this is one that I looked at, which is from my archives um, of... <laughs> just hate notes in my notes app on my phone (laughs) (laughs) but what I don't agree with this week uh Lucy is when people refer to their children as little man oh yes yes I don't like that for lots of things but like you know similarly like when people refer to um their boyfriend as the boy the boy mm. done good. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah, little man is a bit, I don't know, something a bit... You never call a, a young identifying girl a little woman, do you? No. No, apart from no. little women, obviously. Yeah, unless you are Louisa May Alcott, yes. then you can, but that's it. <laughs> the only time that you can do that. It's the only time. <laughs> um, yeah, it just it's just rubbish, isn't it? To be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure what more you can say about that because it is just straight up like, mm, yeah, I also don't agree with it. It's just a bit off. Yeah, it is just a bit off and I don't like it. And I don't like all of the like undertones and layers of why people say that. And I just, I don't agree with it fundamentally, Lucy. I do not agree with it. Uh, Well, that's what this is specifically for. So, you know, this is the forum for it. So Uh, I'm going to going to switch that back to you and ask you what it is that you don't agree with this week <laughs> uh, very similarly it's 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 the way people refer to something um and for me uh, and this is something that um i definitely should have had in my archive but um i'd forgotten to write down and then it, it occurred again and i was like oh that is a classic one i've got to write that down so i did and i'm very pleased i did uh, so what i don't agree with this week and forevermore and for all of my past is when uh, specifically in songs or just people refer to um <laughs> like when people refer to your sex or her sex so for example this it came to me when i was listening to jealous by nick jonas absolute banger um but you we know we listened to that the other day yeah we did it's on my driving playlist at the moment which i rotate like every now and then with bangers and yeah so there's the line everybody wants your sex and that's why you know you still get jealous right and i really don't like it when people refer to like your sex like it's like a thing that people it's i don't know i don't like it and obviously the main absolute culprit hang them up to dry for it forever version of this is your sex is on fire which is my least favorite thing in the oh god right yeah which yeah. i probably i don't even know if i've mentioned before is something i completely don't agree with i think i have mentioned it on the pod before but that is the main version of it you know it's like your sex is on fire. oh no can we not i just don't like yeah. it like that i just don't it's just not for me <laughs> yeah 
Um, on the on the subject of like similar songs, although I should probably save this for next week for another. I don't agree with it, but while we're on the subject, I also don't agree with um, the IKEA hold music because it's very those songs. So um, oh, I won't I won't bore you with the story, but I did have to wait on the phone to IKEA for a long time today, <laughs> and. Um, <laughs> so as I mentioned earlier, um, my girlfriend had a day off today, so she was having a bit of a lie-in, and I was on the phone to IKEA. And then I've been on the phone for maybe about 15 minutes on hold by this point. And um what was playing? Oh, I think maybe Journey Don't Stop Believing oh, then went seamlessly into um the killer's Mr. Brightside. No. And all I heard was this guttural scream coming from <laughs> coming from the other room and they're being like ah, stop so um i had to turn it down and just listen very quietly until um, uh, very funny. Yeah. <laughs> correct reaction from um, your girlfriend then absolutely yeah i i agree she was correct um <laughs> to react in that in that way um yeah i just don't agree with like all of that yeah we've definitely talked about it on the pod before we don't agree with those kind of songs so um yeah no it's all it's all just a big mess why don't they stop but they never will <laughs> uh right so we there's just one last thing to tick off the uh, list before we leave you this week and that is of course giving you a little update on what our queen has been up to it's time for Celine watch. So, Olivia, I'm afraid to report it's very slim pickings this week. Um, again, that's all we, all we say about Celine watch at the moment. <laughs> right, it's not our fault that she's not doing anything, and it's not well, our fault that no one can do anything, and it's not her fault she can't do anything. So, we just got to roll with the Celine watch punches. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's no one's fault. It's no one's fault. Um, right, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> What I have seen today on the blogs is that it is exactly 24 years ago to the day that It's All Coming Back to Me Now was released as a single. Oh, and stunning. Obviously, that is like one of the most stunning, iconic Celine moments of Wait, all time. How many, how many years ago to the day? 24 years ago. Oh my gosh. It's not as maybe old as I maybe thought. No, no, that makes sense. I guess. 90s. Yeah, yeah right yeah <laughs> i can't do math <laughs> yeah, but 24 but we would have been six yeah it, it's an old it's a it's a uh are you surprised that that's like not as old as you thought i think it's older because i i, I thought that would have come out when i was like more like culturally aware of like what was going on musically maybe because i really remember that music video yeah but it's not it's 1996 it is so yeah, I know. There you are. You were you were switched on before you knew it. That's me. Yeah, that is you. Um, yeah. So obviously, it's a song that re- reached top ten in ten countries, and it's certified platinum these days. Obviously. Um, so that is like one tiny little bit of Celine news that I thought was worth a mention. The only other thing that I saw was <laughs> a video of um, Celine Dion obviously, as we're talking about her, um, singing Cheap Thrills uh, by Sia to G up a crowd. So she's just there, like, singing it to, like, get the crowd going. And I love the idea that, like, if a crowd was ever struggling, I don't know where she is or, like, what event it is or anything, but the idea that she just comes out and sings, like, a, a pop hit of the, of the, of the era, um, you know, I would love her to just come out, sing a bit of Nicki Minaj, you know, sing, I don't know, back in the day sing airplanes by bob and Haley williams <laughs> it's that oh, kind wow. of level of song that... such an iconic song but also just to circle back to Nicki minaj we haven't actually congratulated her on her pregnancy yet so oh god of course yeah yes yeah, so congrats Nikki. um and uh absolutely cannot wait to know what you call your baby because that's like my favorite thing to know about people is what they call the babies um so yeah congratulations um and yeah <laughs> So that is um, all we've got time for here today on Queer Logging. <laughs> I like to make it sound like it's um, like a live recording sometimes, you know, make people give people the radio experience. 
Yeah, or that like it's like family fortunes or something. Yes. Oh. Like some someone's walked away with a 42-inch TV. Oh, that'd be nice. Um, yeah. yeah. So you know we, should do? we should actually have canned laughter. We should add canned laughter at the end of every show. We should. A little bit something different, a little bit. Like, can, like canned laughter and canned applause, you know, that like fades out. It's very like early 90s, late 80s, like quiz show. I'm here for it. You know I love a quiz show. Yeah. I think yeah. Should, okay. Cool. Think about I'll, I'll think about it. I'll look into it and I'll do it. So, okay. <laughs> uh, so whilst I'm researching that and getting it all sounding stunning for all 100 million of you that listen right to the end of the episode, we will be loving you, leaving you and longing for you until next time. Bye. Bye. Olivia, another week, another time of our lives living with the internet. What? <laughs> That's so bad. <laughs>